Thanks for joining us on the Father's House Podcast, where we are bringing hope and impacting our community by leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. We're so glad you're here, and wherever you're listening from, we believe your life will be transformed through this week's message. So let's jump right into it. All right. It's great to see you today. Starting a brand new series called Relationship Uncensored. And we want to really work on that. Man, that was great. Didn't the girls do a wonderful job? Wow. Originally, Tim and I were going to do that dance. <laughs> uh, why are you laughing so much? I don't understand. <laughs> oh, looked like a seizure, somebody said. Wow. We're so thankful for you being here today. Thank you. Those of you that are watching online, it's been an amazing day today. God has just done so many miracles. Had almost a full house twice today. Man, God is just so good, and we're just so thankful today. Would you pray with me? Father, we come to you, and we thank you, Lord. We just, we, we just really have a, a, a remnant, a residue left over from uh, Brother Willie's homegoing celebration yesterday. Man, he's just a general of faith went home to be with you. And we, uh, we just sense that presence still yet here today. And from early this morning when we gathered for prayer and, and, the, and the people came on the campus to serve you today, Lord, just something special is going to happen today. We thank you for that. We thank you for everyone who made the effort to come today and those that are watching online. I pray, Lord, you will anoint me today. Help me to say what you want me to say. Don't let me say anything I shouldn't say. And Lord, I pray today that you'll help us. You'll anoint our hearing because some of us need to hear things that come straight from you in this teaching that maybe I wouldn't even say, but you would just reveal that. So, Lord, I thank you for that in advance, and I ask that you be glorified, that the uh, saints be edified, and the enemy be terrified today in the name of Jesus. Wow. Well, in my life, I've traveled in 75 different nations of the world, but most of the time when I did my traveling, traveling was fun. They didn't charge you for baggage. You could take as many bags as you wanted. And the seats weren't confined to skinny minis, but you had fat butt seats that you could sit in. And you had leg room that you could stretch out your legs and they didn't charge you for that. But now it's just such a fiasco to travel. I almost dread moving towards the plane when you gotta be there two hours early and then you gotta have your luggage fixed and all that and then they charge you for every piece that you have. Yeah, you know, it's just, it's just not as much fun as it is anymore. I don't know how you do when you travel. I don't know who uh, takes the most, you or your wife or your friend. I know at our house, when we get ready to go on a trip, Anita has, a, she has, she has these withdrawals and packing. She hates to pack. She, just, she puts it off to the last minute, right? Uh, you know, and so uh, when it's time to pack, she'll say, go get me the big suitcase. Now, there's one bigger than this at home, and it's hers, and that's the big suitcase. So we're going on a two-day trip. Get me the big suitcase. And then she goes to the closet, and she grabs a whole rack of clothes like this, hanger and all, picks it up, takes it over to her suitcase, lays it in, folds it. The things don't wrinkle. And then when she gets to the hotel, she just takes them out, hangers and all, and hangs them up on the hanger. And so I say to her, we're going for two days. How, you're taking that much? And she said, but I don't know how I feel when I get there. <laughs> so you got to take the right clothes. So however you feel when you get there. 
Wow. I hear some of you saying, yeah. And you know, I mean, I've got I've to take, take some credit that I always take more than what I ever wear. I'll say, I can't believe I brought more than what I needed. I can't believe. But then other times I forgot my underwear and socks. So, you know, there's no, there's no remedy to that. But I do know this, that traveling with luggage, the more luggage you have, the more difficult and frustrating. Can I hear an amen? And it's more costly, right? The reality is, though, today we want to talk about emotional baggage. Say emotional baggage. Emotional baggage on the journey of life slows us down, frustrates us, and keeps us from having great relationships with other people and having the relationship that we need with God. So we're starting this series called Relationship Uncensored. So it's going to be tough for the next several weeks. Uh, we'll wrap this up on our anniversary Sunday with Uncle Kevin. He'll be here. He's going to wrap it up, and his title is It's Time to Move On, uh, and talking about relationships. So we're going to talk about things that we try to censor, things we try to ignore, things we try to deny. Someone once said, what goes into a relationship? Simply, whatever you bring. If you bring good things into a relationship, you can have a great relationship. If you bring lots of baggage uh, that, that hurts and habits and hang-ups, that, that sounds like a good cry for Celebrate Recovery on Monday nights, isn't it? That's a good place for you to be. So we're talking today about emotional baggage. So when we talk about baggage, here's what I'm talking about. If you want to just jot it down or think about it, because next several weeks we're going to talk about this. Baggage represents events that have happened in our life. Moments, maybe even all the way back to when you were a child. Things that happened to you. Baggage are hurts, trauma, sexual abuse, abandonment. Somebody walked out on you. Abortions. Weaknesses. Tendencies to always look at what's wrong. And so we're going to evaluate our baggage because we all have baggage. Look at your neighbor and said, I can see it. I can see the baggage. You got baggage. You got baggage. I got baggage. We all got baggage. That'd be a good song right there. We should write, okay? And you say, yeah, but I'm a Christ follower. I'm a member of this church. I've been through growth track. I serve, but guess what? You may have given your heart to Jesus, but I guarantee you, you have not surrendered all the baggage from your life to Jesus. And so we're going to go there. We're going to talk about that. Hebrews 12 and 1 says, so then with endurance, let us what? Run the race that is laid out in front of us since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us. Read this last real loud. You ready? Let's throw off any extra baggage. Let's say that again. Let's throw off any extra baggage and get rid of the sin that trips us up. The issue is sometimes that we carry certain baggage with us for so long that they really become part of our identity. Not something that happened to me, but who I am because I picked up this baggage. And then what I've also noticed that in, in all of us, 
as we carry a same piece of baggage for years, we learn how to adapt. We learn how to carry it in a refined way because it has become so much a part of us. It's hard for us to even imagine that we could have a life without that baggage. So we're going to go there. We're going to go in places that we really don't want to talk about. We're going to evaluate that baggage. So where do we start? Well, I think, first of all, if you're taking notes, you want to write this down. We have to acknowledge your baggage. Look at your neighbor and say, acknowledge your baggage. Yeah, we're going to talk about those things that you wish that were still in the closet with dirty clothes. Yeah, don't bring those out. We don't want to talk about that. I don't want to talk. Now, I know... I know that maybe sometimes it's hard for you to see your own baggage, but I guarantee you that there are a lot of you that are sitting here today and you already noticed. This is a Passover sermon for you. You sort of said, yeah, they need this because they've got some baggage. I'm going to pass this on over my shoulder because I know sitting behind me is somebody that has a lot of baggage and I hope they get this today. Oh, God, help them to get this today because they got so much baggage and it's interfering with our relationship, with our marriage. It's, it's, just, it's just destroying their life. But before you get too self-righteous, you got baggage. You got baggage. And today, we're going to do our best to lead gently into that area that we'll talk about for several weeks and believe and hope that God will help us. Everyone has baggage. If you've been involved with anybody for less than five months, you've picked up baggage because we deal with unperfect people. So we have mistakes, abuses, anger, stress, worry, fear, you name it. I, I mean, if you go to the airport and... Uh, you check in, and you don't have any luggage to check, guess what? They check you extra hard. I checked with my TSA agent. He said, yeah, that's right. And why? Because well, why would you go on a trip and not take any luggage with you? Or, like we got stuck on the gate several months ago for an hour and a half because there was somebody that checked in and checked their luggage, but they never got on the plane. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't ever know what happened, but finally about an hour and a half, two hours later, we left, so I, I don't know what happened. But you see, to say that you don't have any luggage, it's just really a, a misnomer because we all have luggage. But where does luggage come from? Where is the luggage that we pick up, emotional baggage, where does it come from? Well, I think there's several sources. I can't get over all of them today, but I'd say one of them is unfulfilled expectations. Unfulfilled expectations. Maybe a business that you started and you thought, man, I know this is a business from God. I know he wants me to start this business. And you started that business, but instead of being a success, it was a flop. It was a failure. And so today you've got that, you got that baggage because it was, it was an unfulfilled expectation. Or maybe it was a relationship and you stood before the pastor and you said, yes, till death do us part, we're going to be married. And that person walked out on you or you dropped the ball. And so today you're living with that unfulfilled expectation. You thought that would be the one. 
Or maybe it's a friendship. You met somebody, you said, you know, this person is going to be my real friend. They'll not be like the other phonies that said they were my friends and turned their back on me, but they're going to be my friend. And then after a while, you find that they talked about you behind your back. And so you're sitting here today thinking, there it is again. Somebody I trusted, but they did me in. Unfulfilled expectations. Or maybe it's like this. You prayed for a loved one that they were sick, and you prayed and believed that God would heal them, and they died. And so you're sitting here today almost angry at God. God, how could you let that happen? You're a healer. We, we sang the song a few minutes ago. Unfulfilled expectations. Proverbs 13 and 12 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. In other words, when I hope that something, and I have an expectation that this is going to be good, it's going to work. This is the right job, the right relationship, the right thing, and it doesn't work. And so I put all of my hope there, but hope is deferred. It's put off. So then it makes the heart sick. And so then I pick up baggage and my heart is sick. And I at times can praise God, worship God, love God. But all the time I do it, I'm carrying somewhere hidden in my heart that unfulfilled expectation that I feel like that I failed or God has failed me. Another thing is, we often try to numb the pain with those unfulfilled expectations. You say, well, I got I, I to I have a drink now to do to start today. And I got to have a drink halfway through the day. And I got to have something help me to go to sleep and something to help me wake up. I just got to numb the pain. You don't realize how hard it is for what I'm carrying. I've got to numb the pain. But you see, numbing the pain with another relationship, with another goal, with alcohol, with drugs. Numbing the pain is like dealing with a symptom and not going to the source. Here's how Jeremiah put it, 6 and 14. They offer superficial treatments. Say superficial treatments. Let me read it like this. They offer band-aids for my people's mortal wound. They give assurances of peace when there is no peace. Some of you, because of unfulfilled expectations, you've been carrying a baggage around and you've been trying to numb it over with different things. You've tried to put it out of your mind. No, I, I don't have that. No, I don't have that. But even today, as I'm teaching, the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart and saying, that's it. You haven't dealt with the unfulfilled expectation. Here's another one. It's unresolved yesterdays. You see, if I don't deal with my unresolved yesterdays, then I, I, I allow anger to come in my life. I can't believe I trusted that. I can't believe I did that. I can't believe that. And instead of, instead of working with that pain, we get angry and we get mad. And as the Bible says, don't let the sun go down on your anger because you give place to the devil. So in the midst of that, carrying that, then the enemy walks in and he claims territory that you've yielded your unresolved yesterdays. Someone in this service has an unresolved yesterday from a parent that failed you when you were a child. A parent who did something that you thought no parent should ever do. And it's an unresolved yesterday. You've asked God to forgive you, tried to put it out of your mind, you've even tried to forgive them. But you've never dealt with the unresolved yesterday. 
And it's baggage that you're carrying today. Another one is an unhealthy view of yourself. You just feel inadequate, not enough. 27 years ago, when we started this church over on the, over on the across from Ramshackles, for the first year, I dealt with such horrible insecurity. For the whole first year, I felt like next week, people are not going to show up because they'll know that I'm not the real deal. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to start a church. I don't know how to lead a church. And so for the first year, I struggled with that almost every week on Saturday nights. It wasn't just getting the sermon, all the notes, but it was that struggle with knowing if people really knew how inadequate I am, if people really knew who I really am, they won't show up on, on, on Sundays. About a year into the church, Tony Capps, who's a dear friend of mine, a church growth guy, and Anita, we sat in a meeting. Been going for about a year. Had a pretty good number of people coming. And Tony looked at me and he said, do you believe this church will grow under your leadership? He said, now don't just answer me. Do you really believe? And so he took the gloves off and he really began punching hard, pushing me to, pushing me to the end, just pushing me out of my comfort zone. He said, do you really believe in yourself? I said, no. I don't understand or believe why God would use me to build this church. Because I don't have the ability. I don't know what I'm doing. And I broke down. Tony pointed to Anita and he said, do you see this lady sitting beside you? She believes in you more than you believe in yourself. You've got to believe that God can use you. I wish I could say that from that day forward, I no longer carried insecurity with me. I hope not to disappoint you today, but I'm telling you, I still struggle with insecurity, feeling I'm not enough. I'm never there. Uh, my dad was a, a, an amazing guy. My dad could be a plumber, a carpenter, an electrician. He could be a mechanic. He could do anything that he wanted. And so when we would build stuff, we lived on the farm, we'd build stuff. You know, that's like when, you, when real carpenters had hammers. Real carpenters don't have hammers anymore. They got a machine. And so when I would try to nail, you know the story. I bend the nail. Can't you do anything right? Then we were working on the car. Reach down there with this uh, half-inch wrench and twist that bolt off. And I was all knuckles. And I would pull the wrench and it'd slip off and I'd round the heads. I tell you, I can't believe this. You need to find something else to do because you're sure not going to be able to do anything with your hands. My dad meant good. But again, saying that thing, you're not good enough. Everybody else could do this. Why couldn't you do this? I went to a very small uh, elementary school, grade school, fifth year, fifth grade, played basketball, played, and, uh, played with the eighth graders. You know, my height, I was, I was like a star in this, in this small school. We had, I mean, if you only have five people to play basketball, you got to be a star, right? 
Right, AJ? <laughs> so I transferred in the fifth grade to a larger school. And they said, oh, you play basketball. Good. Why don't you, why don't you come play with us? And so, you know, all the cheerleaders and they're oh, we got a new basketball player. Ooh, wow. You know, we'll, we'll see what he's like. Those guys ran all over me. And I realized, again, I was so far out of my league. I'm not good enough. Not good enough. Try it out for football because, you know, after all, you're a pretty big guy. You should be able to at least just stand in the way. But I didn't have the competitive edge. I didn't have that killer instinct. So I turned in my gear. Not good enough. Everybody else might be, but you're not. You say, well, those are sad stories. I hate to hear that. I wish you could do better. <laughs> Two days ago, that baggage came back on me. Anita and I had uh, an argument because I responded in the wrong way with my insecurity. You say, an argument? You mean a disagreement? No, an argument. <laughs> my baggage of insecurity caused me to react in a very, very unsanctified way. But she didn't do much better. I went out to dinner by myself that night. <laughs> she went for a walk. The next morning I said, or next day, I said, I'm sorry. I reacted in the wrong way. She said, I'm sorry too. I could have phrased what I said in a different way. Thankfully, we're still married. And I love, but you see what I'm saying? Even when you think, but if you don't deal with that baggage, and sometimes you have to continually deal with that baggage. Here's another one unrepentant sin. Just because you live through it and no one found out about it doesn't mean you got away with it. See, some of you are sitting right here right now. And you know this week you've been on pornography. You know that you've been angry. Anger comes. I'm telling you, when somebody's always overly angry, I'll tell you, let me trace it back, and I'll tell you, they've got issues with pornography. And that issue will come out in anger, and you'll be a tyrant in your home. You'll try to run your home like a God's Gestapo. It happens every time. But yet you'll come to church, and you'll just pretend everything is all right. Me and Jesus, we got it all going just because nobody's caught you doesn't mean you've gotten away with it because you carry baggage that left untouched will destroy your marriage and your life. David said this in Psalm 32. Lord, I prayed to you again and again, but I did not talk about my sins. So I only became weaker and more miserable. Every day you have made life harder for me I became like a dry land in a hot summertime. He said, he's basically saying, I got away with it. Nobody knew. But yet it was dragging with him. Because you can't surprise God. God knows. 
Those are just some. Hey, let me just sort of, let me sort of demonstrate this to you. Might, might help you. Steve, will you come on up and help me? Give Steve a hand. A great guy right here. This is Steve. All right. He's an important guy, in case you don't know. Homeland Security, TSA, all of those things. And he's retired, so we're putting him back to work, all right? So Steve is going through life, and he has a, a relationship. And that relationship doesn't work. And so he picks up a bag of disappointment because of that relationship. The issue is then, he doesn't deal with that disappointment. And so when he doesn't deal with that disappointment, it becomes like anger and hurt in his life. Now, with those two bags, you can get around all right, right? Walk over there and back, all right? Let's see how you do. Okay, you think you did all right? Let's give him a hand there, okay? Come on, come on, let's see. But then what happens when you, uh, when you add a little bit of insecurity to that? He has to pick it up. Because, you see, he feels like this relationship was a failure because of his own insecurities. He's, he, he's such a failure in that area. And so instead of dealing with that, then it becomes pain, the insecurity. And then to top it off, he gets fired from his job. Now, they call it downsizing. But nobody else got fired but him. So what does he think about? His insecurities. They let me go because I'm not a good employee. And so now he's got, he's got all of this baggage that he's carrying. And here's what I know. When you get loaded down with this all that you can carry, the enemy will come along and usually he gives you an offense with some other church member. And he'll bring it. Now you see, it's not as easy to get around as it was when he just had a couple. And then one day in life, he's walking up the steps of a town and he's doing his best to carry all that baggage with him. And he looks, and across the hallway comes the most beautiful woman he's ever seen in his entire life. And here she comes. And wow, she's got a little bit of baggage. They make goo-goo eyes and, and all of that. And they say, we're going to have a great relationship. But you see, they, uh, they're really concerned about the baggage they're carrying. And they don't want the other person to see that. So... They try to hide it, and a lot of times, what do we do? We try to cover our baggage. And so we cover it up and, because we think that if they really knew who I am, if they really knew my baggage, they would, neither, they would never accept me. So they go into life, sometimes get married. <laughs> Don't steal a show. And so what happens one day, it's like, a, you ever have a, like a hot Coke can left in your car? And you take it out and you, and you shake it. And what happens, it just goes all over everywhere. So when we don't deal with our baggage, we try to cover it over. We're never honest with it. There'll come a time in a relationship, somebody will push your button. They'll hit your trigger 
and you will explode and they'll look at you and they'll explode and you'll think, where in the hell did all that come from? (laughs) And that's theologically correct. That's where it came from. That's where it came from. And so we wonder, why do I always struggle? Hey, these guys did a good job. Get my hand. <laughs> Everyone has baggage, but it's just hard for us to admit it. We put names on it like, oh, I'm just an extrovert. I'm an introvert. I'm a jerk. And we don't want to claim our baggage. Baggage claim is a, going to baggage claim and get your baggage, that's a, that's a chore in itself, isn't it? Especially if you're in Orlando, you wait about an hour. What I've learned to do is I try to match people's baggage to who I think it belongs. <laughs> See a real nice Louis Vuitton. Oh, that's, that must be that couple. Look at, whoo, look at those clothes, man. Or you see somebody's got patches all over. You say, oh, yeah, that's that redneck guy right there. (laughs) And then sometimes the unthinkable happens when somebody's suitcase comes through baggage claim and it's it's opened. Underwear, a little machine that you put in there, all that stuff that's there. And try to close it up, you're embarrassed. Yeah. We don't want to go to baggage claim and claim our baggage. We'd just rather pretend that it's not around. So what do we do? Number one, we acknowledge our baggage. Number two, we surrender our baggage to Jesus. I travel, when I, when I travel, usually I try to travel as light as I can because I hate to go to baggage claim and I have to get all the, and then if you have like 14 suitcases, you know, like Uncle Kevin, when he comes, I have to take the truck. <laughs> he brings like five, six suitcases. I've never seen anybody. And they travel like that all the time. I'm thinking, dude, come on. You're half my size. You don't need all those suitcases. <laughs> don't tell him I said that when you come But sometimes on those rare events, when I go somewhere as a guest of someone to speak, I'll come down the jetway and somebody will be holding a sign that says Terry Mahan or Dr. Mahan or Reverend Mahan or whatever. And they'll make eye contact looking and I'll say, yeah, that's me. And they'll reach up and they'll hand, here's your your Starbucks, triple tall, blonde bean, breve latte, just like you like it, hot. Oh, that's nice. Well, here's, where's, where, let's go on down to luggage claim. So we go down to luggage claim, and I start to go get my luggage. He said, oh, no, 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 no. No, 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 sir. That's my job. That's my job to claim your luggage. I said, no, man. I, I, I always get my luggage. I, you don't have to. No, no. That's what I'm here. If, if I don't get your luggage for you, they're not going to let me do this again. Because my job is to pick up your luggage for you. Remember what Jesus said? Come to me, all you who are struggling 
and carrying heavy loads. And I'll give you rest. Put my yoke and learn of me. I'm gentle and humble. And then he says, verse 30, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Here's a picture I want you to see. Jesus said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit because I can't be everywhere at the same time. I got to go back to heaven. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And he's called a helper. He's called someone who comes alongside of you. So here's what he's saying. Would you allow the Holy Spirit to claim your luggage for you? Oh, no, Jesus, I'll get my luggage. I don't want you to see my luggage. I don't want you to see the, the hurts, the hang-ups. The, I, I don't want you to see that, Jesus. You, no, I'll, I'll get it. Holy Spirit says, no, you don't understand, Terry. That's why I came. I came to be your helper. Let me claim that luggage with you. Let me carry that. No, Jesus, it's just, it's just too much. Here's what Isaiah the prophet saw centuries before Jesus ever came. Yet it was our weakness he carried as our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be made whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. He sends the Holy Spirit to claim our luggage and to help us with it. But there's one thing God can't do. He can't pry that luggage out of your hand. You have to be willing to lay it down and to give it to him. Would you pray with me? I'm going to ask the prayer team to come on down and get in position. Father, it's been tough today because through you, Holy Spirit, you've revealed to a lot of us that we're carrying baggage that we've never really dealt with. And so today you've touched our heart to allow the Holy Spirit to do baggage claim because we don't want to carry it anymore. And Lord, I pray if there's anyone here today that's never invited you as their Lord and Savior, I pray today they'll make that decision in the name of Jesus. Now, look at me for just a moment. Here's what we're going to do. In a minute, I'm going to ask you to stand. The ushers are standing at the end of every aisle. And there are some of you today that need to simply come up here. I could easily dismiss and have prayer and we could go. But I don't want you to go to your car again carrying that baggage. I want you to be able to allow it to come and lay it at the feet of the Holy Spirit and say, I'm just tired. I'm tired. So in a minute, if that's you, if the Lord is speaking to you about dropping some luggage, whatever it is, and don't start saying, well, someday I'll do it on my own. I'll do it. No, no, you need to do it today. You come down to one of these prayer teams that they've been praying all week long for you. You don't have to give them a dissertation. Just say, I got some luggage I need to drop. They're not going to give you a counseling session. They're going to pray for you that the Holy Spirit will help you to drop that luggage unfulfilled expectations 
hurts, habits, hang-ups, abuse, divorce, abandonment, adultery. Because I believe he's here in a special way. So would you stand? And I'm going to ask you to step to that aisle and come down front. Usher will direct you to someone to pray with you today. But don't carry that luggage home. Don't carry it home. Come on. Come on. Jesus is here. There's never been another one like him. Come on. If you don't have baggage to drop today, just stretch your hand out and pray for some of these. Pray for them today. We have people coming from all over today. And those of you that are watching online, I want to pray for you right where you are. Would you just drop that baggage? And I pray right now the Holy Spirit will just come right into your home. And he'll lift you up and he'll strengthen you. And he'll be with you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Just obey the Lord. Just obey the Lord. Thanks for joining us. If you said that prayer and surrendered your life to Jesus, it's the best decision you will ever make. And we would like to celebrate with you. We have some tools to help you on your journey. Simply text DECIDED to 352-329-2301. That's 352-329-2301. Join us next time as we continue to love God, love people, and make disciples.